would happen if you carried around a real Bible everywhere you went, just like your phone? What if you, like your phone, what if you flipped through the Bible over and over throughout the day? What would happen if you read your Bible as much or more than you read your phone? What would happen if you left your house in the morning and you forgot your Bible? Turn around to make sure, because you feel like a weirdo without your phone. Uh, wouldn't it be great if you had that same, oh, I left my Bible at home. Um, and what if you received messages from your paper Bible? Messages from who? Um, what if you couldn't live without it? What if uh, during an emergency, it's the first place you turn? Um, and, and, and you know what's even better about this Bible, this analog Bible, is you never get disconnected. And you don't have to pay the bill. The bill's already been paid in full. I mean, your Bible is so much better than your phone. And yet, people don't care about the Bible as much anymore. It's all about your phone. Well, that got an arousing applause. <laughs> now, if you have your Bible, <laughs> I, I, still, I still like my Bible. I have Bibles on everything we own, I think, uh, and that's okay. I still like to leaf through the pages. I still like to, to look at it in that way, and there's really not anything wrong with the electronic Bibles. I don't want that to give that impression. To just Somebody had sent that to me a few weeks ago. And uh, I just thought it was kind of comical and cute, but a lot of, lot of good points to it. Uh, how many has ever left your house and realized your phone was still laying on the counter by the bed, or you just didn't know where it was, but you had to stop and turn around and go back? I'm going to have good altar time. <laughs> I can tell you that. You almost, it's, it's almost life support for some. And we find ourselves there. We find ourselves tagged there. And this gentleman, like I said, somebody had sent that to me. And I thought, well, that's kind of cute. I'll just go ahead and play that. And uh, maybe it'll jog some, 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 something inside. And uh, if you do have your Bible, whether it's in the analog version or in the electronic version, either one, if you want to turn to Genesis 1, I want to begin there. We're going to talk tonight about just speak the word. How many knows there's power in the word? There's power in the word, that the word comes alive. The word does something. I believe we need more of the word. We need the word to be within us and us to be in the word to the point that when we need the word, the Holy Spirit will quicken the word down inside of us. And he will help us to make it through this life. So I want to start in Genesis 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and then God said, Let there be light. And guess what? There was light. And God saw that, that light and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening so the evening and the morning were the first day. And then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so, and God called the firmament heaven, 
So the evening and morning were the second day. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the land or the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. The herb and the, that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in it on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and the herb that yields the seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. And then God said, let the... There be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let there be signs and seasons and for days and for years. I'm going to just stop there because it goes on to the next day, the next day till the seventh day and then God rested. But in all of this, God said, God took nothing and he spoke it into existence. That's the power of God's word that we even have today. God can take nothing and make it into something simply at his word. And I think for so long, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to only try to reference this just maybe once or twice and then just completely move beyond it. I think for so long the enemy has fought the church of Jesus Christ and the believers in the house of God and out of the house of God that he has tried to silence the church. He's tried to get people to quit talking about the things of God, the Word of God. We, we have come into a generation that everything offends somebody. I read this cute little thing that somebody sent my way. I think it was yesterday, then somebody affirmed it today to me. They said uh, that things are getting so bad that people are going to be wanting shampoo taken off because it offends bald people. Now, that seems funny, but how many's heard ridiculous things that's supposed to offend somebody? How many understands that? And I think in the church, we've allowed that to affect us in some sense, that the enemy of our soul knows there's power in the Word of God. The, the devil knows that there's power in that Word, and if we learn to use that power as the weapon that it's intended to be, it will put the enemy to flight. It will do something that the enemy will not be able to stay where you're at. You see, whenever we begin to look at this, the devil is loose trying to keep the church from speaking up. We're in this generation right now, I said it, that where everything offends somebody, that you're not supposed to talk about this or you're not supposed to talk about that or you're not supposed to talk against this or against that. And, and, and everybody is upset in some arena but I want you to really understand what the enemy is trying to do is bring confusion in every area of our life, in every area of the church, in every area of the Christian. He's wanting you to be confused on what is right and wrong, what is truth and a lie, what is darkness and light, what is evil and good, because the Word says that there will come the day that good will be called evil and evil will be called good, and they won't even know what direction to look, and folks, we're living in that direction. We're living in that time right now that we need to know the Word of God. We need to know what the Word of God says, not just about this world, but for us as a child of God, we need to know what His Word has promised to every one of us. 
Every promise in this book is mine as a child of God. Every word, every verse, every line, it's mine today. And I can stand upon that word knowing the word of God. The thing is, we need to take authority with the word of God. We need to know this word. I said it earlier, I'm just going to say it again. We need to understand the more we get in this word, the more the word will get in us. And the Holy Spirit can activate that word down inside of us that in the times of trouble, in the times of fear, in the times of wonder, in the times of confusion, and even in the good times, he can bring that word to light that we can overcome in the day that we live. We can push back the darkness by the works of the enemy, by the word of God and allow his word to go forth. That's what God intended this word to do. We have to believe that the word of God is true. This word is the infallible, inspired word of God. Now, I know over our generations that men have challenged the infallibility of this word. They have challenged that men wrote this, and there were canon of scriptures that were left out and all of those things, but I still believe it was Holy Spirit breathed into the hearts of men through the generations that God revealed himself, that you and I might have a glimpse into who he really is and understand how powerful this word is, it is still the infallible Holy Spirit inspired word of God today and we need to allow it to flow through us into a dark and dry land that it will bring life wherever it goes and wherever it is given that men will see the result of God's word. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the word of God. It's the thing that's going to get us through in this day and age. It's the thing that's going to carry us through in this hour and this time. We need to understand how real this word is and how empowering it is for us today. How many, what is the first verse you ever learned? John 3.16, can you quote it? Go ahead, quote it. I won't even, I won't even help. Okay, okay, we have 47 translations of that, but that's okay, we got it there. Why does that stick in your heart? Most of us learned that as a little, little child, because there's power when it takes root, when you learn it, when you, when you, when you take it in. And yeah, it's a, simple, it's a simple verse that we've learned as children and we, it's carried us all these years. But has it lost its truth? Has it lost its power and its truth? That God loved this world so much that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That has not changed. God is still reaching the souls of men. He's still bringing lost into the fold. He's still doing the work in the hearts and lives of people. It's the word of God that comes alive that once it's rooted, you know it. And you can't get away from it and you don't want to get away from it. Even those who stray, if they have the word inside of them at some point, they can never rest easy. 
Oh, they can go and have fun for a season. They can go and act like it's okay. But pretty soon, the Word of God's going to surface somewhere in their life. And most of the time, they're going to reach out to somebody that knows that Word when troubles come. Because it's something about that, that anchor point in the Word of God the life that it gives. You see, the Word has always been there. It's, it, it, the Word has, is, was there in the beginning. In John 1, 1 and 5, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The Bible says the same as in the beginning, there was nothing. This world was empty. It was undone until God spoke the Word. And the Word was right there. And you may be here tonight, and you may feel like life is empty. A lot of people are going through things, believe it or not. A lot of people are still going through things. You may feel like your life is empty. You may feel broke. You may feel like your life is a complete wreck. But the best I have for you today is simply good news. Begin to learn and speak the word. Speak the word over your situation. Speak the word over your family. Speak the word over your marriage. Speak the word into your job. Speak your word into your life situation and see what God begins to do. How many knows that God can turn anything around? God, if he's allowed to be in that situation, he can turn anything around. Speak life to your kids. Speak life to your spouse. Speak life to your family. Even if they're wayward, it might make them mad. Still speak life into them because it might just very well turn them around and bring them back where they need to be because there's power in the word of Jesus. You see, I'm here today not because someone just prayed for me or just spoke over me, but I know people had spoke the word over me and spoke into me. My Aunt Wilma, when, when I was born, and, and Mother uh, has talked about this of recent days, Aunt Wilma's done went on to be with the Lord, and I think it was the first or the second time she ever held me as a baby she looked at my mom and she was holding me and she said, this boy is going to be a preacher. And from that point, she prayed over me probably all of my life till she went on to glory. Aunt Wilma and Uncle Bud, they, anytime that, that I would come in from college at Bible school, they would come to the house and Uncle Bud would take me out to the garage and he probably wanted to whoop me. But what he did, he would actually stand there. He was, he was a... a, a a different kind of gentleman, a great man, but he, you know, he, he just, he was a godly man, but he would take me out into the garage and he'd, he'd tell everybody else, I just want to go talk to him. You know what he would do? He would take me out in the garage and he would speak life into me and then he would pray for me every time, every time. I'll never forget that. Most people don't know that. Uh, probably his own kids didn't know that. I don't know who, if he ever told anybody. I've never talked much about it. But I remember him praying over me and speaking into me that God had great things ahead. 
And you know what? When we begin to speak the word of God into people and begin to share the light of God's word, it begins to run the darkness off. It begins to do something in their life. The enemy wants them to feel defeated. The John 10 and 10 says, The thief cometh but for to kill, steal, and destroy. And I know so many times we, uh, uh, we, we illuminate that to the fact of, of killing and just simply killing their, their bodily man or stealing everything they have as far as their money and destroying them for who they are. But the enemy wants to kill your spirit. He wants to kill your dream. He wants to kill the vision you've had for your life. He wants to kill you in any way that he can. He wants to steal those dreams out of your soul. He wants to tell you you'll never be anything when God has created you to be everything and anything you desire to be. He wants to destroy your thought life. He wants to destroy your ambition. He wants to destroy your drive, the nature that is down inside of you. I know it's a human nature, but there's a drive to become something. And the enemy wants to destroy that and say, it'll never happen. But Jesus said, I have come that you could have life and it more abundantly. And I know we've associated that to when we make it to heaven. Well, it's going to be glorious when we get there, Pastor. It's going to be wonderful when we get there. I believe he's talking about the here and now, that the kingdom of heaven comes down to this earth and it changes your ass, your outlook and your aspect of life and you're able to move forward in the things that God wants you to be. The enemy says you're defeated and God says, no, you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. The enemy says, you'll never make it. And Jesus said, just reach out your hand. I'm right here. I'll pick you up and I'll establish your goings. I'll plant your feet upon the solid rock. And the enemy says, well, you're never going to have anything. And King David said in Psalms, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed beg for bread. In other words, there's always been enough and he doesn't run out and he can supply our needs according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. There's something about knowing that word and hanging on to it and holding on to it and understanding that God gives us power through his word. And we can overcome the work of the enemy. In Matthew 4 and 1, 11, 1 through 11, it says we find Jesus speaking himself against Satan. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. How many knows when the enemy is going to come against you the, the quickest and the most? Do you know when it is? It's when you're vulnerable. It's when you're hungry. It's when you're weak. I, I'm going to say this. And I, I'm, not, I'm not pointing it anywhere. That's why I believe it with all of my heart that fellowship and coming together, the assembling of ourselves together is so important even in this day and age that we're living. You know what the enemy wants to do? And I'm, I'll move on here and get back to that. The enemy wants to catch you in a weak moment. You know when weak moments happen? It's when we abandon the flock. It's when we avoid coming. It's when we avoid being around other people. We feel like we're the only one going through it. The enemy will tell you, you're the only one going through it. How many's ever went through something and found out there were other people that went through it and they didn't just go through it, they made it through it? 
That's why we need each other. That's why next Wednesday we have testimony time that, that is coming, that you're going to hear some testimonies about people that have went through some pretty tough things, but they have made it through it. And that's holding on to God. That's holding on to God, understanding his word, wanting to be more like him. Verse 3 says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But listen to what happens. Talking of Jesus, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to a, to, into the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, and you sh- lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil took him up, to an high exceedingly mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will simply fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, how many wish when the enemy come, you could just get rid of him? Guess what? You can. You can. Is, I, I, I've said this from, from a young man's age. I'm not a young man's age anymore. I've said this since I've been in ministry. This, the, these verses caught my attention at, young, at a young age. It was so intriguing to me to understand that here's the very Son of God. And he's led by the Spirit of God to go out into the wilderness. This is before his ministry has started. He's going to be empowered to do the works of the Father which was sent, that sent him to come and to seek and to save that which is lost in the world. And he's out there and he's praying and he's fasting. He's not partaking of anything. He's out there. He comes to the vulnerable moment. The enemy comes against him just like the enemy would try to come against every one of us. And the only weapon Jesus uses. Now, this is the Son of God who could call legions of angels that that helped throw Satan out of heaven. He could have called them and said, throw him off this earth. He didn't have to do that. But he used something that is at our disposal. Here's what he taught us. He taught us a life lesson. That there is power in the Word of God. You see, every time he answered the enemy, the enemy even knew the word enough to bring it against him. But Jesus knew the true word of God. He was the word of God and is the word of God that came to life. And he knew what that word was and he rebuked the enemy with the word. Until finally he said, just get away from me, get get out of here. And the enemy had to leave. Can I tell you tonight 
This is so strong in my spirit that, that if we would hide that word within our heart, not only did the psalmist say that I might not sin against thee or under the Lord, but how much power would we have over the works of the enemy if the word of God come to life inside of every one of us? When the enemy would come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord would raise the standard against him. The word of God would spring to life inside of us and we could rebuke him and bring light into the darkness that he is trying to cause. What would happen in our lives today? What would happen in the church today? What would happen in our homes today? Just to simply be like Jesus in that moment, to simply take his word and apply it and let it come to life, let it flow from us to drive out the darkness and to bring back the light that God has. You see, when the devil comes against us, we can do just like Jesus did. Listen to what his word said in John 14. He says this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So here's, here's the question again. How many believe? How many believe? Then the works that he did, you have access to do. In other words, he even said, not only would you do the works he did, you would do even greater works. Wow. Pastor, is that really possible? Well, he said. He said, you could. So I got to take it at his word. I don't always understand it all. I don't always grasp it all, but I'm going to believe it all, and I'm going to say, God, whatever it is you want for me, then that's what I want. But in this context, we can know that we can take this word and we can partake of this word and it becomes like the honey and the honeycomb and it just gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. You might have read this thing a hundred times. We might have read this and, and, and you said, man, I don't like this part. I get tangled up in, the, in the, the lineage part and I get tangled up in the Old Testament and I don't really fully grasp at all why we have to learn who, who came from this tribe and who came from this family and who came from that, what all ties together. But right here in this book and this entirety is the greatest love story you will ever read in your life. It's the Word of God that when you get it down inside of you that God can just allow it to come out and it brings living water wherever it goes. You see, those works are the works he's calling us to do. You say, we, we want to just set back sometimes. The enemy wants us to remain silent. We don't want to gauge things by the word of God. They don't want us to gauge it by the word of God. But how many understand that right is right and wrong is wrong? doesn't matter how wrong they try to make right and how right they try to make wrong. Wrong is right and right, or right is right and wrong is wrong. And we get in trouble with that. But God's word doesn't change. It never has, it never will. You see, whenever you begin to look at the word of God, anything we speak out of the word of God, God will back it up. God's not going to change. God's not going to bend it. We live in a, a bending society right now. But there's something about the Word of God. There's something about the truths of His Word. 
But what's the problem in the day? I believe we've allowed the devil to intimidate the church. We've allowed the social ideals of the day to determine how far we will actually take it and believe it and say it. There are some times you just may have to walk away and shake your head. There are some times that you have to just stand up for what is right. There may be sometimes it's best just to be silent, to be honest. doesn't mean you agree with it, depending on what the situation is. depends on where you're at. But what I do know is the Word of God never fails, and that God is still alive and He is still well. And when we begin to speak the Word, the devil has to back up. If you're here and you're sick, you can go to Isaiah 53, and it says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and it's by his stripes we are healed. If you're feeling lonely, not only did he say he's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll go with you all the way to the end of the age. And then in John 14, he says this, I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you. If you feel like you're broken tonight, over in Jeremiah it says this, and the vessel that he made of the clay was marred in the hand of the potter, and so he made it again into another vessel. And it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. If you feel defeated, in Romans it tells us, yet in all these things we are made more than conquerors through him who loved us. What am I doing? All I'm doing is giving you the word for situations. That God says it's going to be okay. That God says things can turn around. That God says that's, that's my word. So if God said it, I believe in it and settles it. Then the life that we live, the life that we have, we, we don't need to keep silent. But what we need to do is learn this word, hide it in our heart, and let God use us, guide us, and direct us in every area of our life. We deal with situations every day. Life gives us situations. People in this room deal with situations every day. You may be here tonight and maybe your family's not saved. Maybe your kids are on drugs. Maybe your marriage is falling apart. Maybe your spouse isn't a Christian. Maybe your job is just kind of shaky at this point and you don't know even tomorrow if you're going to go to work and have a job. And God knows all those ends. He knows everything. But his word gives us comfort and it gives us strength and it gives us peace. It gives us hope. It becomes living water in those moments when his word just speaks life into us. And so many times we neglect and we fail to go to that word and allow his word to be that living, life-giving source that it is meant to be. So I want to encourage you to be in the word. And what I'm going to ask you to do is just simply stand tonight. I'm just going to ask you, Maybe you have a need tonight. Maybe you're facing something. I was in my office praying today, and I, I was uh, remembering, a, I believe really the Holy Spirit brought him to my mind, but I was remembering a gentleman in, a, in our second church. 
His name was called Brother Sorrels. Brother Sorrels was kind of a laid-back guy. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't real uh, boisterous or boisterous like that. He was a just very nice guy. And uh, I can remember one time that he had come and he had asked if it would be okay if he prayed for people at the altar. And uh, he's kind of an introvert in one sense. And I thought, well, you know, if that's what you want to do, it's fine with me. That was a big step, I thought, on his part to come and ask about that. And, and so one night he was up there praying and I, I noticed that he was basically, before he would pray for anybody, he was talking to them. Nothing wrong with that. I thought, well, he's probably finding out what's wrong. So he's praying for that specific need. Well, he did that. But what was so intriguing about Brother Sorrels was that he was a man of the word that nobody even knew about. And anytime somebody give him a need, he would give them the word of God. And that's what took so long for him talking to them. He would give them scriptures over that need and encourage them through the word of God and then he would pray for them. And I thought, wow, I'd never seen that before. I really hadn't at that point. But it didn't matter who he prayed for. He had a word out of the word of God for them. And he would give them scripture and then he would pray over them. And I thought, wow, that's really something. And you know, that's how powerful the word of God is and needs to be in our life. That when somebody's hurting and they're undone and, 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 and they, they don't know where to turn, they can turn to the word of God and we can give them the word of God.